Hey guys, Joe Miles here with Osseo Gear. This is the Mission Whitetail Podcast. We're going to be doing a deep dive into what it truly takes to kill these mature bucks. We're going to step outside the box and look at the why for gear, tactics, training, and more importantly, the mindset from over 35 years of chasing these magnificent animals all over North America. Thank you for following along and welcome to Mission Whitetail. All right, guys, welcome back to Mission Whitetail. We've got a really cool guest today. Uh, Justin and I have known each other kind of really through social media and bumped into each other kind of around the show circuit some. And and I'm glad we, we, we have an opportunity to visit with him this afternoon. And as always, we're going to kind of jump right in. Justin, welcome to the show, man. Uh, welcome to Mission Whitetail. Appreciate you taking time out of your day Friday afternoon to join us. Um, if you don't mind, you know, a lot of guys that listen, you know, they, they, they know who you are, what you do, your, your relationship with the DeQuistos, and, but, but some guys won't. So if you don't mind, just kind of give us a little history about you and, and, and what you got going on. Um, I grew up, uh, my grandpa was the one that kind of got me started in all this stuff uh, years ago. He was a traditional uh, archer. Um, he was, uh, um, I met him years ago. I don't remember this, but he was actually friends with uh, Roger Rothar. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, I, I, I went there once is what he told me. Um, I don't remember much of it. I was just a little kid, but, um, so I kind of fell in love with the archery, um, part of things like from a, you know, just early on, um, you know, hunted, um, like Kevin and I have talked before, like we grew up not too far from each other, yeah. uh, hunted that, hunted that area growing up didn't have a clue what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> yep, <understand> <laughs> tons of opportunities on, on, uh, big deer in my mind. They were probably not very big deer. Uh, if I seen those deer today, to be honest with you. Um, and kind of, I struggled for a long time, especially through those teenage years. And I, ended up later just kind of gravitating to, uh, I got really heavy into coon hunting and trapping, uh, especially coon hunting, probably more than anything. And, and loved, you know, uh, raising and training dogs and what kind you know, of hounds did you run? Uh, mostly walkers. Oh yeah. Yep. I was mostly, I had, I've, I, I've had an, I've had an English, I've had black and tans, but, uh, the walkers are kind of what I, you know, really, really liked, um, had quite a bit of success with that one, uh, a lot of big hunts. Um, uh, when I was a kid, um, actually took a 10 month old pup to Walker days in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I was 17 years old, drove over there all by myself with that 10 month old pup and almost won the whole thing. Wow. <laughs> yep. It's awesome. And, um, and just loved loved to coon hunt that was my thing and um and it was funny to think back on it now and all those early coon hunts and stuff man you know i man i seen some giant bucks in november running dogs in, in the you know at night i mean i i still to this day remember this giant non-typical walking right by me i was standing in a, in a bean field in november uh and um and I remember thinking, man, and I got to get back in here tomorrow morning and see if I can't kill that thing with my bow. <laughs> and, um, 
never seen a deer. I just didn't know what I was doing, you know, in those days. And, and then, um, and then later, um, I kind of got out of it, uh, for a little bit. Um, uh, the bow hunting thing, um, in those early twenties, um, and hunted here and there a little bit, like 20, I don't know, 24, 23, somewhere along those lines, 25. Um, I just went out one day and missed, I missed it. You know, I missed those, those times being in the woods and, and doing that. Just went out, uh, a good friend of mine had said to me, he's an older guy. And I always tend to, I always, I always hung around with a lot of older, older guys, um, growing up and everything too. And, um, he, he said to me one day, he said, I can't believe you don't bow hunt anymore. And I said, well, it's funny you say that because I've been thinking a lot about it and I really want to get back into it. And I think that weekend I went out and bought a bow and got right back into it and then shot some deer. Um, and then I just said, man, I really want to shoot. A, I want to shoot a big buck. You know, I want to shoot. Uh, I, I want to shoot a wall hanger. And yeah. I was dead set on shooting something over 125 inches. And, um, and the, the year that I did that, I had shot, <laughs> I had a lone wolf climber that I bought from Andre and it's how I met Andre was at a trade show. And I bought this climber off of him. And that year I was so determined that I went out um, and shot my first Pope and young deer. I had a broken ankle oh my, <laughs> and a cast on. And I scouted this little flat and found these, it was, I remember it's November 16th. Cause I can remember every day that I ever killed a deer, I think. And it was November 16th. I scouted out this little flat and there's a great big open up scrape up there. I went up there, had that climber on my back on my crutches with my bow <laughs> and got up in that climbed up in that tree, got like 10 foot up in that tree. And, um, that deer, um, or a deer, it, it was a, it was a good buck. It came in there. And I had shot that deer and, um, I had to call two buddies to come help me, uh, track him and get him out. Cause I had that, I was on crutches and, um, and got that and got that deer out. And that was the first Pope and young that I had ever killed. That's pretty and, hardcore, man. Going in, uh, w w with a, with a down tire, that makes it tough. Yeah, that's, that's oh yeah. There. It was, I, I was there was a, there was a really good buck over there that I'd seen a couple times. So that was the one I was really holding out for. This one came in and, and I knew, and I thought that he'd be over 125 inches, which he, he was just barely. And, um, um, so it was funny because shortly after that, I started to shoot a few good ones here and there and, and, um, and, and would talk to Andre here and there. And he was always, um, for whatever reason, he always, he just took a liking to me and I looked up to him, you know, because sure. I remember seeing those old ads of, you know, the lone wolf ads of that black background and him with all those bucks, like, uh, like on the back of your wall right there. And I remember him sitting there and I was like, I want to be that guy. I want to, <laughs> I want to, I wouldn't say that to him now cause I'm good friends with him, but yeah, I understand. <laughs> but, you don't want to stroke that ego too much. <laughs> no, no, his head explodes. Yep. <laughs> and, and, uh, I just remember seeing that and I, I, cause I remember those old, like 
those old articles too with Miles Keller back in the day, and Miles had all those big giant bucks and everything, and and Miles just looked like a badass standing there, you know, with that scowl look on his face and all those giant deer, and I was that like, stocking yeah. cap, yep, 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 it. and and I just thought, man, I that I don't know, just something about that whole image of a, a bow hunter, like with. The way Andre was and, you know, Miles Keller and Roger Rothar and all those guys, I mean, I kind of like, I was like, man, you know, I just wanted to kind of mimic that too and have those experiences like they have with all these big deer. And, and so it was, I don't know, a few years I'd shot probably two or three good bucks, two, uh, Pope and Young class bucks. And Andre had said to me, I was talking to him on the phone and he said, Hey, we're going to start this show called whitetail addictions and i'm like oh okay and he was like have you ever vid videoed your hunts and i'm like nope he was like well if you want to be part of it he was like why don't you pick up a video camera so that i think it was a couple of days after that i went out and bought a video camera and just started messing around filming my hunts um didn't have a clue what i was doing and then him and adam came up with the the lone wolf strong arm camera arm shortly after that <clears throat> so um i started filming some of my hunts um and shot shot a couple i shot two good bucks on video um i think this first or second year that i went out and, and started doing that so i was involved with it from an early on um and for you know one reason or the other you know some of some of those hunts didn't get seen on there um but uh you know andre and i just you know we struck up this friendship and it is always a guy that i could you know i could call and you know whether you know i was hunting a specific buck and trying to figure him out and telling him about what i was doing or you know and and he was he was just an, always a guy that was like, he liked, I think he generally, uh, I think he likes to help guys, you know, and, sure. and, and because, you know, he, he went through all that years ago and, you know, and there was things that, you know, uh, there was things, that, uh, well, I tell him this, I'm like, there's things that you've told me that's definitely worked. And there's some things that didn't work. He goes, dude, everything I tell you is supposed to work. You're just not doing it right. <laughs> of course. He never yeah. makes a mistake. That's right. <laughs> and um, uh, just, I don't know. We just struck up a friendship and we've been friends for, gosh, that's been like 20 years now um, that that's we've been awesome. friends. So kind of how I got introduced to everybody was through the Matthews Dominant Buck stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, I guess Andre sold Lone Wolf, Whitetail Addictions kind of took a hiatus or, or kind of went on pause for a while and mm -hmm. uh, Crumran and Seymour and the Baker boys and Adam Hayes, they all came over to dominant bucks and, and Mark Beck and I came into dominant bucks. And that's, that's kind of how I got to know all those guys. And then eventually, you know, met Andre. And, and so, you know, that it, it's kind of one big family, you know, all those guys are, you know, we've known each other for forever since, since 2010, yeah. 11. I mean, that's, you know, quite a long time. And, and uh, now seeing whitetail addiction start back up, but this is the third year back or fourth year back, or maybe I'm way off. Um, this is going to be, this will be the fourth year back. Fourth year back. 
Uh, well, we did one year with XOP too. So I guess it'd be the fifth year back. Yep. Fifth year back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so tell us a little bit, I mean, you know, most of the guys obviously listen to this have, have seen, you know, it's on, it's an online show, um, you, you know, and it basically takes a guy's season, but I, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but kind of give us the, not, not the plot necessarily, but the kind of the theme behind, you know, what you guys are bringing to, to, to the viewers. Well, you know, years ago, and one of the reasons that, you know, I think Whitetail Addictions was so successful early on is because you didn't have any big TV stars. Uh, because all those guys that were part of the original and even up to today, um, a lot of them were like well-known guys um, that were, I mean, and everybody's just working a regular job, you yeah. know. Nobody besides Andre and Cody, everybody else is not in the hunting industry. Um, you know, everybody's just working anywhere from, from a dentist to a chiropractor to a construction worker to um, whatever. I mean, all different walks of life from all, you know, all over around the country. But the one thing everybody has in, in common is, you know, this addiction to you know chasing whitetails with uh with a bow yeah and that's that's what it's always been about and i've always said this like even from early on because when that first got going i've always said whitetail addictions and lone wolf kind of honestly kind of changed my life um and meeting all those guys and everything and like you know e meeting you know hayes and crumran and and the baker boys and and Andre and just, you know, the list goes on and on, you know, um, Jim Deppy, all these guys that, you know, um, that, I don't know, that just lit a fire under me, you know? Um, and, and then when, um, you know, with the show and the way that it's went on for now, I think there was four seasons that Adam produced. Yeah. There was one season with XOP, and then there's been the last three or four years that me, Byron Horton, and he, Cisco, have been pretty much the only ones that have been working on it. Um, I think the biggest thing, I think probably the most relatable thing is uh, realistically that these are just regular guys uh, that don't own huge, huge tracts of land. And I mean, I own 75 acres, you know, like, and I just bought that, you know, and it's so I've hunted on permission and, and a few leases and stuff like that, but primarily just permission for years. And that's what yeah. a lot of the guys are doing. And a lot of our guys are, they're, they're, pu they're public land guys too. A lot of them, um, which I tip my hats off, my hat off to those guys. Um, I'm 47 years old. I don't really feel like getting into the public land thing. Uh, <laughs> um, I, it's just not for me. I, I'd rather go pound on a million doors and, and, um, and, and get, uh, a bunch of nose then and go chase some stuff on, on private. That's just what I prefer to do. Well, but, there's no, no, no doubt. You know, I'm, I'm 47 too. We're, we're the same age and, you know, I'm, I, I won't say that I'm past that as far as, you know, wanting to get in there and compete and that sort of stuff. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm the same way, man. I just, 
I want to have my own spot that I can mess up, that I can, you know, get in there, learn the deer and, and, and have him relaxed and, and, and do that. I mean, it, but it, it's a badge and honor. These guys that, mm-hmm. that go into these public land tracks year in and year out and, and finally kill a deer, you know, it's, I guess I like to shoot them too much, you know, cause a lot of these guys will go, you know, three, That's four, me five too. years without, without getting a deer or, or, and, and, you know, not to digress here a bunch, but you know, there, there were some guys as, as you well know, that were, were talking some nonsense about Don Higgins and Andre and, you know, guys that were hunting, you know, these private farms and that sort of stuff. And it, it, it's a simple reason for that. The, the reason for mm-hmm. that is because they're going after the 1% of whitetails on the planet. If those deer lived on public land, don't think for a minute that those guys couldn't figure out how to get it done on public. You know, they just oh, happen yeah. to want a caliber of deer that they want to want to play with and hunt that, that are you're, you're more than likely. And I think everybody would agree with this. You're more likely going to find that caliber buck on a private out of the way place. And it's so, just I think a lot of that, too, to your point is like it's where they're at in their um, their their whitetail journey or whatever you want to call it. If you look back at Mark Drury and Don Higgins and Andre, they all hunted public. 100 percent. They all hunted public at some point, but what they did with their their career, and they figured out ways of you know what I'm going to work hard because I want to purchase my first farm and 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 not have to deal with all that kind of stuff. So over time, these guys built businesses. You know, Mark has built Drury Outdoors, which is. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I love, I've watched that stuff forever. And Mark oh, Drury is, is a phenomenal hunter. Don Higgins, you know, he's built this whole business too with real world and, and, and built, you know, an awesome farm out there and has built this consulting business and is, and Andre with Lone Wolf, they've built businesses to where they don't have to go and battle those people anymore. This is the way that they choose to hunt because like you said, they're trying to chase the 1% and that's what they're interested in. And, and whether you, that's the way you choose to go about it or whether you choose to go about it hunting public, that's fine too. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I, I, I tell you what, those guys that, that are doing it on public and consistently doing it, man, I, I had, like I said, my hat's off to them. Um, that's a, that's a tough right. deal. Yeah. So yeah. I don't care. I mean, that's the problem. Sometimes there's too much, um, you know, um, you know, sometimes you even see some of the stuff about even being a mobile hunter or if you're a saddle hunter or if you're hunting out of a, bl- I don't care. It doesn't matter to me, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Like, we, we touched on this last week. We, we talked about ethics and that sort of thing. You know, it, it, and I'll, I've said it 50 times, you, you're somewhere between a, a two acre pin with a 300 wind mag and going naked with your fingernails. Everybody yeah. falls right in between there somewhere. And, and, you know, let everybody do their thing, man. I mean, it, it you know, it, it, not kumbaya, but I mean, you know, everybody does, does their own thing and everybody needs to be respected. That's, and I think that's the biggest part, just respecting everybody in the way that they go about their personal journey and how they want to hunt. Awesome. Um, 
Let's dive in, Justin, if we can, and, and talk kind of some, some tactics and, and kind of your, um, you know, Lone Wolf Custom Gear, obviously, that's, that's mobile stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you guys are big on mobile hunting. Um, that, that, I won't say it's relatively new in the South, but, um, y- you know, it, it is, I guess it is kind of new in the South. Wouldn't you say, Kevin? I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, um, so, so walk us through kind of your setup, you know, your stand, your sticks, how high you like to get, you know, kind of how you go through your mobile setup and, and, and help some of our listeners, you know, unpack that. Um, so the last couple of years, I've been running two, um, I've been running two 1.0s. I, I, I personally prefer the, the 1.0. Um, uh, that or the 0.75. Uh, a lot of guys love the the 0.5. Uh, it's a it's a little small for me, for my liking. Um, I'm, I'm not worried about a couple extra pounds, you yeah. know that whatever you know. Um, but my 1.0s, I've been packing the compact sticks. I typically always carry four um, with the eighters on all four um, of them. You have them on all four eighters on all four. I have, but now um, right here towards the end of the season, I went to three compacts with three eighters and then a double stick. Um, and I use my double stick as my top step. Gotcha. Um, which I like that because if I get off one side or the other, like I don't have to think too much about, you know, you know, climbing down or, or just, or even setting up, it gives me that, just that little extra, you know, um, uh, room up there to be able to do that kind of stuff. I, I kind of like that setup. Um, I, but I, I, but I typically run three stands. I always have three, Yep. three mobile setups in my truck. The other one I ran was a 0.75 and I ran, the um 17 inch doubles with that um four of them you would have four with that yep Yep. i always pack four there's a lot of guys will pack two or whatever but i i don't know i always like to have four because as soon as i pack two i'm gonna get to a spot and i'm like that's the tree but i can't get to the cover yep i'm the 100 percent the same way i still pack the original lone wolf sticks with mm-hmm. haters on the bottom two, and I take four of them every time I go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you really have to because you don't know the situation, and there's nothing worse than getting to a spot and being short of whatever it might be. You know, uh, you don't want to. I don't want to come back out. If, or you if, you can always leave sticks laying on the ground. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. And I find myself doing that a lot of times. You know, there's a lot of times where I was only hunting two sticks high um i it seemed like a lot of times i ended up being like three sticks is kind of like the i don't know that just seems like the be the what i use the most is three sticks but i always pack four just in case kevin's saying the same thing i know you can't hear them guys we're having a little bit of audio issues so i'm kind of having to talk for kevin but kevin mobile hunts a ton he's a saddle guy he's a, a compact lone wolf guy and and um he's the same way he runs three sticks with eighters and and um he, he's agreeing with you <laughs> yeah i think that's the <clears throat> it's 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 kind of been what's worked for me anyway 
you know? Yeah. Um, but it is nice with all the accessories. I was actually complaining to Andre not too long ago about the fact of why did you not come out with this shit long time ago? <laughs> so yes. like even from the old lone wolf stuff where, you know, we used to have this much sticks hanging off the back of our, you know, our, our, our stands. And then we'd have our backpack on the, on the, on one side of that. And then you got your bow and like now with this whole shelf system and then, being able to pack that thing. And then with the sticks, how, how tight that they set up against the stand. I there's, there's no other, I don't think there's any other stand on the market that is that packable. No, we, we will, we will stand on the highest mountain and preach the best mobile setup for, for a, you know, a lock on type stand is, is the lone wolf custom gear. There, there's no, no question about it. I mean, it, it is, the, the ingenuity that went into that um, was it's amazing what he what what he's able to do. Um, he, he and I were actually kind of poking fun at each other the other day on a mobile. Um, what was it? Mobile Hunter. Something. Yeah. Zach, it, yeah. Zach had posted a question on there about uh, fixed blade broadheads and what you like and don't like. And and I got on there and they wanted I'll to have know, a look at this. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I said, Andre, the ultimate uh, fixed blade would be two inches wide, uh, as quiet as a mechanical um, and as accurate as a field point or, or something like that. I don't remember exactly. And and he came on and said, I'm not a miracle worker. Um, he said, what I'm really trying to figure out is how to build a mechanical that won't wound animals. He said, that ought to stir the pot up pretty good. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a mechanical guy, obviously. And oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever. So, uh, and, and so, of course, I, I had to fire back and say, well, if I thought anybody was up for the task, it would be you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure he's all over that because, well, Heath Cisco's a, he's a rage tripan guy. Me 100%. Too, baby. Yeah. And, and uh, it's so funny because there's times when the three of us are together and broadheads get brought up and I just, I just go like this. I'm like, see how this goes for a little bit. Get your popcorn and, out and get ready for yeah. the show. <laughs> And so, and it never gets, you know, Andre's got his views on it and he's got his views on it, but I, I'm kind of on both sides of that, honestly, because I've shot quite a few deer with the Rage Tripan and, um, cause Heath is kind of, you know, um, you know, we, I always aim last rib. I yeah. don't try to shoot no, I don't try to shoot a crease or anything like that. So, so I, if you, if you hit anything with that with that tripan man it just puts a ungodly hole in them it, it, it is it is wicked 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 yeah but i've shot a lot of deer too with fixed heads too and yep. um and so and i will say that that head that he's got um that thing does fly nice out to 60 70 yards for a fixed head i'm a, i if, do you guys have any of those? No, no, not yet. I'm going to – are y'all going to ATA? Are y'all going to have a booth at ATA this year? No, not, we're not going to go. No, um, I, I was hoping I was going to see him up there. But, um, no, I'm sure we'll get some this summer and, and play around with them because we, we're – you know, we, we love to test stuff. You know, Kevin yeah. and I are constantly testing different broadheads, different arrows, different bows. I mean, I, I, we, we kind of geek out about that stuff. It gives us something to do a lot during the off season. Um, so it, it's, uh, yeah, I want to shoot them. I, I'd, I'd love to shoot them. I'll get you some. Cool. Yep. Cause I know you guys do all that testing and stuff like that. So I'd like to get some of your guys' hands 
and just see what you guys think of them. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll throw them in there, shoot some iron wheels against them and, you know, explain the difference in the three blade versus the two blade and, you know, the chunk cut versus the slice cut. We can do, yeah, we can do all that. That'd be yeah, awesome. Yeah, I've watched, I've watched all that stuff that you guys put together. It's, it's good. It, it's kind of, it, it is, it is backyard, you know, it's backyard stuff. It's not in some scientific lab, but, but yeah. yeah, yeah, it's redneckery as Kevin said, but hey, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> Uh, they're doing rocket surgery. Yeah, yeah, Rick. Did you hear him? Did you hear <laughs> yeah, him? I did. I, I can hear you now. Oh, you can hear you. Oh, good. Rocket surgery. Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, while we're Justin, while we're talking about broadheads, let's let's go into kind of your bow setup site, and you can be as general about this or as specific as you want. Um, just just kind of what you run from a you know we, we talked about your stand your mobile setup and a lot of guys are interested you know with successful hunters you know what their bow setup arrow setup is so just just walk us through that a little bit if you will. Well, it's funny because this year I had a um, <clears throat> I had a bunch of mishaps with my whole setups uh, this year, um, but so I run a. Um, a spot hog, uh, single pen, dial pen, um, and I shoot. I shoot the Lone Wolf uh, Lobo. Yeah, I've shot that for probably the last probably three or four years. We did that with Darton, and then yep. Darton sold to Black Eagle. Um, so we're not making we're not making that bow um, anymore. Um, I shoot seventy pounds, um, hundred grain broadheads. Um, I was shot the, um, the new, um, Exodus, um, yeah. arrows this year. Um, and, and I liked them. I uh, had pretty good, you know, uh, I'm not a real techie guy when it comes to, um, bow setups and all that kind of stuff. I got a good friend that owns an archery shop and he kind of guides me through more of that than, um, um, but, uh, I, you know, I've been shooting, I've been shooting that setup for four years now. I think I've killed, I don't know, six bucks or something with that bow. Um, but it's worked. But I tell you what, I went through a hell of a time this year. Um, last year, one of my first elk hunt and not el ever elk hunting before. I, I honestly didn't kind of know what to expect, you know, other than what you see on TV and stuff like that. So I thought, man, I don't want to get in the spot. I shot a single pin, dialed a single pin for the last probably 10 years. So last year I decided to put a five, five pin sight on my bow. And my thought behind it at the time was, well, what if I get an outcome screaming in quick and I don't, you know, fast and I don't have time to move this dial kind of thing. Where typically when I'm whitetail hunting, I, I, I don't know, I, that doesn't ever seem to be a problem. Then there's a lot of times I never move it at all, yep. you know? So, so last year I ended up shooting my, uh, never shot an elk. Um, it was more of a camping trip than anything. Um, Those happen, man. <laughs> they happen. <laughs> And we, we never really got into a whole lot. We ended up, we went to Colorado and we, I think we hiked in at 7,500 in elevation up to 12,000 and camped for a week and just hunted out of camp on public, um, the whole week. 
and it, but it was awesome. I mean, it was just a, a fun trip. Well, anyway, come back and I end up shooting my buck last year um, at forty. Um, it was I used I thought it was forty yards when I, after I ranged him later ended up being a forty four yard shot. Um, that's the farthest I've ever shot a whitetail in my life. Um, it was a perfect shot. The deer ran fifty yards and killed over. This year, going to the season, um, I had some mishaps. I had um, both, I'll say this, both bucks that I killed, I missed before I killed them. Oh, wow. On, and on hunts prior to that, sure. prior to killing them. And I, and I know this is something that, you know, you're not allowed to talk about in the, in the industry is like misses and like, no, buddy, nobody, they happen. <laughs> they absolutely it, happen. It, it, it seems like, but if you watch TV, it's like nobody misses. Oh, and, yes, they do. <laughs> and nobody wounds them. Ever. There's another yeah, thing. They never, never get happens. away. <laughs> right. And I wounded one too this year in Illinois. I shot one right through the tenderloin. And soon as I did it, I, 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 I knew it right away. I just couldn't figure out, well, what I've been doing, it, it took me a little while to figure this out. But what I was doing was I, I was just going in the backyard and I just shoot my 40 yard pin. And, and I, I had a, a green 20, a red 30 and a green 40. Oh yeah. When I would go into the backyard and practice, I would just shoot my 40 all the time. And a lot of times I was in a hurry because I'm working, I'm getting off work and it's like throw a block out you know, at the place where I'm, I'm going into hunt and take, take a couple shots before I go in kind of deal. Yep. I got in a big routine of that to where I was always just shooting my 40, always shoot my 40. Well, I think, um, out of, um, I was doing that in the heat of the moment, no matter what the deer was, what yardage it was. Yeah. I was using a 40 yard pen and, and I didn't, you know, until I, I didn't realize I was doing that until, um, the week before I shot my buck in Ohio, I, um, I missed him. I missed him at 26 yards. Yep. I should have hammered him. Came in on a doe. I've been waiting the whole time for the shot. Here it is. And I shot right over his back mm. and I was disgusted. And I went home and just, sh I just got here and just shot my bow and I couldn't figure it out. Cause I'd, I'd come back and I just shoot lights out and I'm like, I don't, I don't get this. You know, I true story. I got up in the middle of the night that night, one to take a leak in the middle of the night and the light bulb went off. I'm like, son of a bitch. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm shooting that 40 yard pin every time is what I'm doing. So the very next morning I got up, I tore that sight off. I put my old spot hog back on and just, and I, and I, all I did was just, I practice at every angle, every distance you could think of, uh, different angles on even my target, you know, my, uh, my 3d target, you name yep. it. And I just didn't want to be in that spot again because you know, I, 
I went from I missed the buck that I killed in Illinois. Then, or yep, missed him. Then two days later, have another big one come in. I zip him through the tenderloin. Then two days or day after that, the buck that I missed, I sh- I I shoot him. I kill him, but it's the the shot's still high. Um, but it was it was high lungs, so mm-hmm. he he didn't make it very far. Come home, miss the deer I've been chasing all year, and I've been you know watching for four years, and then get this thing figured out, and then kill the kill the buck I've been after for four years the next week. Tell us, tell us, um, yeah, you know those you, you hear that you know guys will develop target panic, um, you know they'll. They'll just get the yips. They'll touch their lease off early, and it, that's part of bow hunting. If you do it long enough, yeah, it's crazy how the your muscle memory when when you got you know that adrenaline going, it just went into overdrive, and you just saw that sight picture that you've been seeing in the mm-hmm. backyard. You didn't even think twice about it. Yep, that's yeah, the heat of the moment. Keep, keep it that's- simple. Keep it as simple as you can keep. It. Yep. And that's exactly what I was doing in the heat of moment. Just like you said, I was just going right to that every time, I think. Yep. I I started shooting a single pin just because it seemed like I was grouping way better. Just over the summer, I switched to the single pin to try it, and I, I liked it a lot. Now, I was going to tell you, Justin, I don't know if, if it'll help you, though, because <laughs> those extra reference points messed you up, but I actually took a... I don't have like a dual, um, I don't have two pins. It's just a good old single pin in the center. So I took a, mm-hmm. a white uh, Sharpie and and just kind of went from where the actual dot is and where the post goes from fat to skinny and went right in between, right in the center and put a dot there. And that's like perfect for like 32 yards for me when it's dialed to 20. Now so, that, don't start shooting, <laughs> don't start shooting with that. I'm not doing that ever again. I'm just going to leave it <laughs> the way it is. Single pin, Stick with the single pin. Yeah, I was about to. I was about to jump off a bridge this year oh. with with all my mishaps. But now you you this deer, you know, I I saw the picture of it. I read a little bit of the story. Um, it, it, t- walk us through that um, because this buck is one that you've known about. He's ancient. Um, yeah, and, and and you got him killed. Tell us tell us a little bit about that. So. In 2019, um, I got some trail cam video clips of of this deer that uh, he looked like a two and a half or three and a half year old buck. I kind of thought he was two and a half because I'm talking, he had a little, little tiny body on him. But he had 17 points. And he he reminded me of a buck years ago that either it was either Gene or Barry Wenzel that they killed in Iowa and and they called him Woody. Okay. And I think it was Gene that killed that buck and Gene named that buck Woody because he said, every time I seen the buck, he gave me a Woody. (laughs) And that's a true story. I've seen that. I've seen him say that before. Well, well, there's a lot of them behind me right here that should have been named Woody. (laughs) (laughs) Normally when I hear these stories, that happens a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I do have one named the Chub Buck that I killed in Illinois. The Chub Buck, yeah, I remember that. And and he's got that horn coming out the front. Yeah. 
Well, so a lot of this is making, so that's what we're going to start doing um, is naming all of our deer after uh, boners now or what? <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> uh, the girls will love to get in on that game too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll call him Little Shorty. <laughs> yeah, Little Shorty. Derailed way up. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. <laughs> So, uh, so this, I, I see this deer and I just thought, man, if this deer gets a, a, a couple years now, I mean, he could be like a 200 inch class deer possibly, but in the area where he's at, I'm like, oh. you know, he was probably, a. I thought the deer to be at least, he was between 140 and 150 as a two and a half or three and a half year old buck. And I just thought, man, if this deer lives, he's going to be, he could be a giant. Um, got my fingers crossed, never hunted the buck. I actually had my buddy Troy Pottinger came out during late season that year. And I was tagged out and I, and there was this old buck that was behind the house forever. And he just had, he had one nice side and just a big like fork coming up this other side. He's just a huge brute. And, um, um, Troy's like, Troy said, I'll, sh I'll shoot that buck. I said, well, whatever you do, don't shoot this other young buck that's back there. He's going to be tempting because he's probably going to look good. I said, I've never seen him in person uh, besides in velvet in the summer. Right. And so uh, he hunted back there a little bit trying to kill that bully buck, um, but never seen that other deer. So fast forward to the next year, it would be the 2020 year. I had cameras everywhere. And I was just hoping that this deer was going to show back up. And um, I never seen the deer in a bean field, never got a picture of him, um, nothing all year. And then a good friend of mine, uh, Steve Pinkston, had uh, sent me a picture during late season. He said, hey, I think this is that deer. And... It was a guy that killed a deer not too far from here, uh, uh, three, four miles or something like that. And it looked like him, but the, to me, the deer looked much older. Mm -hmm. um, like, I'm like, ah, I don't know if that could be him because I don't think he would be. I mean, that deer was pretty gray in the face, big old cherry forehead, like huge neck. Like, just, I just couldn't see. So, um, I thought maybe it was him but maybe not so fast forward into 2020 21 season i at this point i got cameras out again um all summer no pictures anything friend of mine that had hunted a nearby farm texted me and said hey i don't know if you heard but we lost permission over there and i said yeah i heard it sold he said well i might as well let the cat out of the bag show you this buck Ooh. and i said Oh, well, I said, yeah, send it over. So he sends me over these pictures and I looked at it. And as soon as I looked at it, I said, man, that looks like Woody. So, um, and he, I knew that there was a couple other pieces around that, that, that I could possibly get permission on. So I think I knocked on like four doors and I got permission on two That's right awesome. after I found found out this small little pieces one's 10 acres the other one's 25 acres small pieces but the one piece was butted up right next to the woods that he was getting trail camera pictures of that bucket 
So we're talking a couple hundred yards away. Mm-hmm. And and in Ohio we can, you know, we can bait. So I I'm running, I'm running a corn pile over there trying to get this deer on camera. Nothing. Never getting my camera. The buck that he was running with was, was 150 inch 10. I got pictures of him one night and thought, ooh, here we go. I'm gonna get pictures of him now. Never did. So kept looking for him, couldn't find, I could not, and even in the bean fields, I couldn't in the just driving around in the evenings, I, I could never find this deer. So season started and I wasn't gonna mess around and just try to chase something that was a ghost and I, I didn't know was if I would ever be able to get on. So I had this big non-typical and I got on him early, chased him down and ended up killing that deer. I think it was on November 4th. I was sitting in my truck and shot that buck. And I was sitting in my truck with uh, my good buddy, Mike Grenier. And we were waiting on Steve Pinkston and we were going to go, we were going to go, pull my buck out and I'm sitting there and my phone goes off and I go like this and turn it over and it's him. Oh. <laughs> he showed back up on the farm that I got pictures of him uh, back in 2019. I'll be darned. And I'm like, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. I turned my phone around and I showed, I showed uh, Mike and Steve and I'm like, and they were tagged out too uh, by then. And I'm like, you believe this? So I just kept, he stayed on that farm all year after that. And, um, he ended up getting hurt somehow. Like he was carrying like in mid December, he was carrying his back leg. Looked like he had a scar up top. Um, which we later discovered to be a slick trick broadhead and about four inches of arrow shaft. And then he had, um, half of his back hoof was missing. And he was just all beat up and, and he looked like he was losing weight. And I'm like, man, he's, he was looking bad. And I just started pouring the feed to him, put mineral out, everything, just trying to get him into the next year. Well, it was about a week of that, uh, after his injuries. And then he dropped both sides. And this was like December 20th or something when he dropped his rack way early. Where I was like, man, this is not good. He's gonna, he's gonna end up dying or something. Um, I went over there and I tracked it all on Onyx. I walked like it was like 15 miles or something like that, looking for those sheds because I thought, well, if I can find these sheds, then I at least got a better understanding of where he's he's wanting to hang because he was kind of nomadic and I didn't I didn't quite understand where he was at. Never found the sheds. Um, I mean, I even had my 13-year-old son in there. I was like, dude, look, you find these sheds, I'll give you 50 bucks. Sure. Like, you, we're getting ice cream. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's all in. He and he's, we're looking like crazy. I had him out there in all kinds of weather looking for these things. And uh, never found them. So then um, fast forward in 2022. Um, he just took up residency. He was fine and he was staying on, uh, the farm that I was getting pictures of him on 2019. And he just, it wasn't, he, he, and he wasn't leaving. I was worried that when he shed velvet, that he was going to take off again. I, I was a little concerned about that 
Um, cause there was an, there was another buck that was back there that, um, was an older buck, but he was like a 115 inch heavy eight that was just built like a brick shit house and looked like he could fight anybody. Yep. And I thought, man, those are the kind of deer that run off these other deer. Exactly. Um, and I do think those two tangled up a, a few times, um, for sure, because he did end up breaking some tines. Um, so I just stayed on the deer all summer. I mean, I was laying in those bean fields and then in my buddy's barn that lets me hunt the place. I was up in the second story of that barn, like a ton, just glassing and just trying to figure him out. <laughs> I stayed on it for the first, the two weeks leading into the season. I just stayed in that barn. I was over there almost every evening watching him. Um, had a pretty good idea of what he was doing going into the season. I really thought I could probably get him killed on the, on the first weekend of season. And, and, um, watched him, watched him the morning of the season came in, watched him, um, watched him that morning, watched him that evening, but he came out, he came out in the morning, a different spot. Um, or went back in to a different spot than when he came out in the evening. Okay. So I'm like, so I'm like, okay, that really throws me off. I don't know what to think. Cause I thought I had it figured out. And then he threw me off of that. Then the very, the second morning of season, I thought I'm going to treat this like a Turkey hunt. And if I can put him to bed, then I got him. And I didn't see him. So I thought, crap. But I had a good idea and I had a safe play of where he was wanting to cross his bean field in this waterway all the time. And no matter where he was, where he was bedding, he seemed like he wanted to be through that waterway all the time. So I set up in this tree on this fence row. Um, it's just a kind of a grassy fence row with a couple, uh, with a few trees in it. And one spot next, by the, uh, by the waterway, there's two good sized trees there. So I set up in there. He comes out that night and he is coming on a string to me. And I thought, man, I'm a, you know, this is going to happen. He gets all the way to, he's the, to my right angling in and where he's going to cross is, it's going to give me like a 25, 20, 25 yard shot. All of a sudden, for whatever reason, he cuts in behind me and I got a dead South or I got a dead be a dead west wind um and it's hit me in the face and he's coming this way and i'm like i you know i, I gotta get him killed before he gets directly behind me or sure. it's, or it's a done deal i'd ranged at he was going to come through at 32 yards i drew and was just waiting on him to clear this branch and the wind kicked and he winded me mm. and froze I thought he might get stupid enough to take those couple more steps like they do sometimes just to get that little bit more of you because maybe they didn't. I smelt something, but I'm not quite sure kind of thing. He never did that. I sat there at full draw for it seemed like a long time. It probably wasn't. but um, And when he decided to leave, man, he bolted out of mm. there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like that's the worst thing that can happen. Because yep. now he's, you know, I, 
I don't care what anybody says. I, I always believe because just, you know, hunting dogs and stuff like that, all those years and everything that, you know, every dog knows your scent. You know, you could take 50, if you could take 50 people and put them in a room and you, you'd send your dog in there, your dog finds you. Sure. I, you know, put a blindfold on him. He finds you. Well, now he's got my scent you know, and knows that he's being hunted. So I was, I was like, just, I was really frustrated uh, with that whole situation. You know, like you go home and you sit there and think like, I should have not hunted. I should have just waited. I was being too impatient. You know, I got all season and now this has happened. So um, bounced around, um, still getting pictures of him. He disappeared from time to time. Um, I bounce around, I'd see him here, I'd see him there. Um, it was like, it was like, or wherever I went, he came out the other end, you know? And one morning I had a good idea based off of, uh, I set up in a, in that barn and I'd seen him do something. And I thought, you know what? I don't hunt a lot of mornings in October until later. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try it. Cause I think I know what he's going to do. I had him come in right in to me that morning. And I knew, I knew my buddy was going to start putting lime on those fields before too long. But that morning I had that deer coming right in and, and the trail, I think he was going to take was going to give me like a 15 yard shot. And they started pulling in that morning with big old liquid lime trucks and blew him off that field. Oh no. And for three days straight after that, they just put lime on those fields for three days. It was just non-stop. And I was like just pulling my freaking hair out. And <laughs> but what are you gonna do? There's like, nothing you can ground. do. Yeah. Yeah. It. So I and so then and I had a bunch of other shit go on too, where like I had neighbors riding it four-wheeler across the field at prime time i had um you know there's a lot of development going on there the surveyors coming over on the you know on our side over there um it just a bunch of variables like i you know i i'm so frustrated with it um so i took off yep i took off out of frustration went to illinois because i was like i gotta just get away from this place for a while sure because it's mentally messing with me Yeah, and went to Illinois, went out there, hunted for uh, two, three, four days. Um, and it was hot. Um, the rut yeah, was hot, man. The first seven days were awful. Yes. And it was just nothing. It was like a ghost town. And, um, and me and Heath Cisco went out there and we had numerous sets where we got skunked mm -hmm. on, on ground that you see a lot of deer on. And, and so, um, came back, got back on him for a little bit, but he would end up going over to a piece that my buddy was hunting and he would get pictures of him once in a while. Mm. And he even had a conversation. We even had a conversation. He, 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 he said, Hey, I want to talk to you about something. And I said, I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> and if he gets in front of you, shoot him. Sure. I, I can't, I mean, 
if he comes, it's a wild you, deer. Yeah, it's a wild deer. Yeah, there, there's nothing I can do about that. Like, and you're like you're crazy if you don't shoot that buck. I'll just yeah. say that. Thank God he got tagged out. Yeah. So he killed he killed a really good one, and um, um, so I didn't have that so much to worry about anymore. And um, so then. Um, shortly after that liquid lime and all that stuff went on, my farmer turned those fields over and plowed all of that. And it was, you know, there's nothing there to eat at that point. So, uh, the deer wasn't staying on me very much. I knew I had to start thinking a little bit outside the box of like, I need to get, um, I need to get some more access or, and, and because the deer, um, he was bouncing around. And wasn't staying in there that much. So I started knocking on some doors. Um, got a really hard no one day. Um, got kind of cussed <laughs> out. Um, like the girls <laughs> Kevin used to date. You yeah, get a lot yeah. of hard no's. I got a couple hard yeses. Yeah, if you've seen this hard no, it was almost like I, I finally I was like, okay, dude, I got your point. Yeah, I get it. I'm out. I'm leaving. Like, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm, yeah. <laughs> but um, I got – what's that? I had the same same thing. I knocked down a door, Justin, and, and uh, I just mentioned that I hunted on a block of property kind of that was like adjoining, the, the two corners connected. And the lady looked at me like I had a freaking dick grown out of my forehead or something. And she's like, no, no, we <laughs> – we don't allow hunting here. We don't hunt around here. And as I'm pulling out of their kind of like roundabout driveway, there's like stacks of freaking corn right next to their driveway or next to their barn. And they don't have any livestock there. I'm like, what are you doing with that? Oh, really? You're just making them their your pets in the backyard, maybe. But I, I was like, y'all are definitely hunting back here. Oh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, no. He ran no. you off. That guy ran me off. Well, so I got permission from, uh, I got one for sure permission, written permission. The other one was, Hey, I got to talk to my wife kind of deal, whatever. Like, and then he ended up calling me that, that night and was like, yeah, we're good with it. I was like, okay, cool. I'll stop over tomorrow and, and pick up my slip. So, um, I get over there and I do some little, I do some poking around. I just find massive rubs. And I mean, just my, my gut feeling of where I thought maybe he might be hanging. I was like, either this is him or another really good deer. I mean, cause they were as big around as my thigh. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, so I think it was the first or second sit I had over there. I seen him. Oh, wow. um, he came That's out cool. of, yeah. And, and he came out of a thicket, uh, and he was running around frantically like he lost a doe or something. And But he was all the way over on the neighbor's property over there, so there was nothing I could do about it. And then I didn't see him for a little bit, and then our youth gun season came in. And I was getting down one evening, and uh, the youth gun season was going on. And I had, um, right as I was getting down, and I mean, I'm talking like, it was too, it was too dark for me to see a pin, but... They were shooting guns oh, over wow. there. <laughs> yeah. So, and as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I, you know, you just, that's what you think. You, yeah, out of all shot. the deer running around, they shot him, you know. Mm -hmm. 
So I drove the block and come around the block and there's a vehicle parked in uh, my buddy's field over there. Um, and I thought, what the heck is this? So, well, ended up checking out all right. And they had permission. They just parked over there on his side of it or whatever, because I called him and he went down there and, and, um, then it was all good. But the, the, the grandfather said, yeah, my granddaughter shot a big buck tonight. And he called me and said, yeah, he said his granddaughter shot a big buck. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, of all the things. So for four or five days, he disappeared on my cameras because I started getting pictures of him over there and he disappeared. And I was like, yep. And I was searching the internet and, and talking to everybody I know around this area. Just, I just wanted a pitch, you know, I just wanted a picture sure. just to confirm it. So then, um, uh, I wake up one morning, boom, he's back on my cameras again. I'm like, oh, okay, back yes. in the game. What a relief. And I get on him immediately. Um, and the first night that I go back in there, he comes out on a doe and follows her all around the field and works their, they work their way all the way up to me. I was two sticks high and a, um, an old ash tree and just sitting in the crotch. I couldn't get any higher than that because then it silhouetted me. Yep. So I had to set low. They come all the way in and, um, and I had one opening and he started to follow her and I drew he heard me draw mm. and he looked right up at me and maybe, maybe between me putting the wrong pin on the deer this year, maybe a little bit of panic, like, you know, got to get that shot off kind of thing. I shot right over his back and missed him. So, um, I was so disgusted with myself. I was like, you know, you wait all that time. Oh man. Yeah. So, about a week later, um, I quit getting pictures of him. Um, about a week later, my buddy that owns the big farm calls me on the, it was on the 28th of November, calls me and says, Hey, somebody just hit a, uh, somebody just hit a deer in front of my house. And I, and I, I, I think it was a buck. And I was like, are you kidding me? I said, hold on, I'm coming over. So I go over there and um, and somebody had hit a deer, uh, talked to the guy, said, I said, uh, I said, was it a, was it a buck or doe? And he was like, he was like, it was a buck and he's filling out some information on his truck and his trucks all smashed up on the front. And uh, I said, was it a big buck? He's like, well, I'm not a deer hunter. He's like, he was like, look like a big one to me. So you know how that could go. I'm like, yeah, exactly. great. Who knows? So me, me and my buddy drive around and we're looking all over in the fields and stuff, trying to find, you know, trying to find this buck. And I'm, uh, you know, in my head, I'm just like, it's Woody. Guaranteed it's Woody. 100%. <laughs> That's where I always tend to go. I tend to go to the worst side of things. And we looked and then the state highway patrolman came out and he looked with us to nothing. So the next morning, just I'm on my way to, I'm getting ready and I'm, heading out the door in the morning and I typically, and you guys probably do the same thing. I check my cell cams every morning. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm after a big deer, I mean, it is like, I'm, that's all I want. Yep. And yep. that's the first thing I do. And, 
And I was on work calls, like, because I got crews that start at 6 a.m. And so I'm on the phone calls, and then I'm like, okay, I got to go because I got to take a shower kind of thing. So I take a shower, jump in my truck, and I'm like, I'm going to drive back there and just see if I can see this deer laying in the field. So I pull back in there, and I'm looking around with my binoculars, and I see a deer laying next to the tree that I almost shot Woody out of on the second night of season. So I glass and I see a buck laying there and he turns at first. I thought I was like, cause he wasn't moving him at all. He's just laying there. And, and he finally turns. And when he turned, I was like, Oh, you know, that's Woody. And I'm like, so I'm sitting there in the truck and I was just sitting there thinking, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't have that. I don't have that Microsoft Teams meeting till like 930. <laughs> Got my bow back here. Like, so I backed down. I had a win. The fence row ran east to west. And I was I was to the east of him. Threw my stuff on and and had a wind that was blowing out into the field, which was just perfect for me. So I just started creeping up on him. And I was like, you know what? Either I'm going to screw it up and I'm going to blow him back across the road where he's probably more killable anyways. Um, or I'm going to get shot. Yep. So I, what do I have to lose? So I started creeping and I would, I'd glass at a, I'd range him. And I've never shot a deer off the ground in my life, ever. And so I just kept working and working, working it. And about 60 or 70 yards into the crawl, like, um, I noticed he was with a doe. Ooh, I was like, yeah. oh, I said, that's why I was there. Because how many times have you seen a big buck in the middle of the rut in a weird place with a doe? All the time. Yep. So I'm like, that's it. So. But and so they were both looking west, and I'm coming from the east and coming up. And I got to like 28 yards, and I was like, man, I just I felt like I couldn't go any farther without getting nailed. And he turned at one point too, all the way, but he didn't come all the way back around. And he stopped like right here, and I'm like this in my right in my, and I was like, don't do it, don't do it don't come all the way around the head. And he didn't. He, he looked back at her and I get up there and it's weird because I've never shot a deer laying down. So I was like, man, where do I place the arrow? Cause it's a weird angle. Yeah. And so, and here's the other funny thing, the branches that I trimmed from that tree that I set in back in earlier in October were covering, like he was laying up against them. <laughs> on the ground insult to injury <laughs> yeah so i had to kind of like move myself around to get you know to get that shot at him and when i shot i mean he he jumped up and him and that doe both jumped up and 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 took off and 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 ran over into another little section and um and i knew i knew he was done then yeah. so um, I got back, I got back to the truck, um, 
And now um the brewing in my work pants. They're done. <laughs> um and I get back to the truck. I'm like, oh shit, I got this, I got this meeting here in a little bit, you know, kind of thing. So I'm like, uh, what you know, I'll give him some time, whatever, and I'll and I'll uh I'll get out I'll, I'll I'll go to this meeting. This will keep me not going to look for him and right. going to, you know. So get in this meeting, it's funny because my boss started busting my chops like in this meeting, because uh one of the contractors had said something about needing something. And my boss started busting my chops. He's like, Well, Justin probably get that for you, but he's always deer hunting. So and he, he's and he said he said he said he's not a very good hunter, so he hasn't got his deer yet this year. So and he just <laughs> I'm him and I are real good friends. Right. And and so I was like, well, it's funny you say that because I just shot him this morning. And and so we were kind of laughed about that. So then um, so then um, uh, went and found him and ran, you know, 100, 150 yards. And, oh, man. And, Celebration began. Yeah. Here he is. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Guys, it's going to be worth coming uh, to YouTube and, and looking at the very end if you want to see this buck. He is absolutely gorgeous. Man, that's he's awesome. got a he's got a broken he's got a broken G three over here, and he had a big inner point right here that was about that tall. Oh man, that was there, and then this sticker here too was like this, and he broke that too. That's oh, a but, heck of a buck, man! Congratulations. Yeah, you know it's funny too because the deer was. His age class and and all that and um it's funny uh he's got really short beams does he his really beams, yeah his beams are only 23 that's not super short but i mean it, it you know i've actually on some of the really older eight and a half nine and a half year old bucks i've shot they tend to keep carrying that mass but those beams sometimes their beams do seem to shrink kind of weird you there Justin yeah I lost you the first time okay. yeah more technical difficulties yeah yep it's good, good. Deal. well man congratulations on your buck I believe it or not have to get to date night my wife is wearing me out on my cell phone right now I hope she I hope she sees this <laughs> So I'm going to let you and Kevin close it out, and I'm going to bounce <laughs> out of here real quick. Man, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I'm going to let you and Kevin keep going. Do you want to just part two it or something? Yeah, what about that? You, you got time to do a part two? We'll bring you back in a, in a week yeah. or so and do another another sure. another time. Because we're at like an hour and some time. Okay, yes, yeah, let's absolutely. do that, Justin. If you're good with that, man, we'll just schedule another time and, and do part two. That'd be great. I'm good with it. And I know how that goes, so you better get going. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Your ass is going to be in trouble. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Okay. You guys take care. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot.